Hello, and welcome to the Autism and Employment podcast series. Our names are Martin and Alex. In today's episode, we are going to discuss a depressing reality for a lot of working adults with autism, being bullied in the workplace. With our guests, Andrew, who is an author and public speaker, and Emma Price, Deputy Head of Tram House School, we will discuss with them why bullying happens so frequently to people with autism in the workplace and how do we stop it. According to an article published by The Independent in May 2012, more than a third of adults with autism have been bullied or discriminated against at work, the largest ever survey on a condition has found. Meanwhile, 43% said they have lost a job or left a job because of their autism. The poll by the National Statistics Society concluded. Almost one in three respondents, 32%, said that the support or adjustments made by their employer or manager in relation to their autism was poor. A similar proportion, 30%, complained that the support or adjustments had been poor. Almost four in 10 respondents, 38%, reported that the suitability of the work environment in relation to their autism was poor. Fewer than one in five, 19% said they had no experience of bullying, unfairness or lack of support at work. Janine Booth wrote a paper for the TUC called Autism in the Workplace in May 2014. She lists some of the types of bullying that happens to people with autism at work, including preventing an autistic worker from carrying out duties or using equipment when there is no valid reason to do so. Rates of pay, an employer might pay a worker less than the rate for the job, using the autism as a pretext or excuse. Exploitation, an employer may think that he or she can get away with treating an autistic employee badly. Janine's paper mentions a case about a man with autism who was bullied at work. Adam Odiha, who has Asperger's syndrome and dyslexia, worked as a chef at a hotel from February 2010, having been introduced by re-employ which helps disabled people find work. His boss paid him £95 per week, less than half the minimum wage because he thought he could get away with it. Adam was not paid for working extra hours at weekends and busy times like Christmas. The boss claimed that Adam had to be carried and pampered. He threatened to sack Adam for taking too much off the end of a cucumber and threw frozen bread rolls around the kitchen after wrongly blaming him for not taking them out of the freezer. Eventually, Adam resigned, complaining of harassment and victimisation. Adam won an employment tribunal claim for unfair dismissal, disability discrimination and breach of minimum wage law and was awarded over £40,000. For a lot of adults with autism, bullying starts in childhood. Spectrum News published an article in February 2020 on childhood bullying, abuse and autism. Physical attacks by peers may leave autistic children with wounds on their faces, shoulder displacements and large scratches on their body, says Daniel Hoover, a child and adolescent psychologist at the Kennedy Krieger Institution in Baltimore, Maryland. In a 2018 review of studies, Hoover and a colleague found that children with autism are bullied three to four times as often as those without disabilities, including by their own siblings. 40 to 90% of children with autism are bullied compared to 10 to 40% of typical children, according to various studies. Maltreatment can cause lasting damage leading to severe stress, depression, 
anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Most studies have not shown an increased incidence of PTSD amongst autistic people. That may be because PTSD criteria was not written for people with autism or because trauma in this group is more likely to lead to anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues other than PTSD, Kearns says. What's more, there are no reliable tools for screening in autistic children for trauma, which is defined as an event or events that affect a person negatively, sometimes in an ongoing way. I would like to welcome our first guest, Andrew. Andrew, you had mentioned you were brought up by your mother in a single parent household. You said your mother did not listen to the ignorant comments from the specialist who diagnosed you with autism, and she wanted to prove him wrong by giving you the best life possible. It obviously goes without saying your mother is an inspiration to all single parents raising a child with autism. In what ways did your mother support you from childhood to adulthood? And was she actively involved with your career? Uh, very much so, to be honest, Martin, very much so. In fact, in fact, she was the person that got me into Manchester United Television. Uh, I used to phone in the talk shows on the channel. And then Sarah Ferguson visited my school to open the new premises in Wrexham, the special school St Christopher's. Then after that, I was invited to the club's training ground at Carrington in February 2002. And then because of that, it led to a chain of events that led to me being there. But that led to me working one day at work placement in the last 11 and a half years. But actual phone call to get me in there was made by my mother because she sort of sold me, sold me to MUTV. Oh, wow. uh, my ability to MUTV got me in there. I don't think you could have done that post the recession, but uh, certainly in 2002, it was, it, was, it was a possibility you could do that. And I think she could always sell herself very well, my mum. And that's where I've got sort of like that sort of streak in me off, off my mother where I can sell myself, which is, which is just something I can just naturally do about myself. And I not only can sell myself, I can sell items, organisations or clubs that I'm, I feel very passionately about, or causes I feel very passionately about. But like I say with MUTV, uh, she took a very active role in my childhood, generally, like like what one matter that we've just organised is the cricket club I play for, Chirk, Chirk Seconds, Chirk Second team on the Wrexham Shropshire border. The Nets are going to be named in memory of, of her. And she also took a very active role in my, well, basically, regarding school, she had to fight, fight, fight for anything she could get from schools. From placements, she once broke into education's off, educa- the Director of Education, Mexican County Borough's office, to get the school, the school placement she wanted for me. And she did this because she, me- she memorised the code of their office because she asked the Director of Education in police, no, he's not in today. She got to get on the phone to my sister, Melanie, very close family that we are, and said, Melanie, bring the papers in, bring me some lunch. So next thing, she seen few people go through, few members of staff go through, and she memorised the code. Memorised the code, got in, got in the educa- director of education's office, surprised him, and she got in place in my school at St Christopher's for the time. And she also took an active role to get me t- talking as well. My first word, oddly enough, and I mean very oddly enough, was aubergine. Uh, okay. Not, not, your, not your routine first word, of a child, but uh, yeah. she also encouraged me to talk and took an interest in every every interest I ever had. Initially, car she'd go around the neighbourhood 
I'd, and, and say this is a Ford Sierra, Andrew. This is a Vauxhall Cavalier, and that would get me to talk when I was when I was a very small child because I didn't talk until I was four. So, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. So she took a very act, active role in everything I did. She had to fight for everything. In one school, I was allegedly tied up, being the only child in the class who could talk. In another school, I was allegedly beaten up by a member of staff, and she had to fight everyone. She had to fight police. She had to fight criminal injuries, compensation, authority to get anything out of that. Thank you for that, Andrew. Yeah, your mum sounds like she was a very strong, Mm. you know, a very amazing mum to you. Yeah, unfortunately Um, it is was now, Alex. It seems so hard to say it in the past tense. And also she's always been very supportive with my gym. She used to go to the gym with me and Melanie to accompany us. We're in our shine, four mornings a week. Never missed a session. Three and a half years we've been going there. Mm-hmm. Just over three and a half years then. Unfortunately, she missed three the week she passed away, and that was only one she ever missed. Yeah, we're very sorry for your loss, yep. Andrew. Um, yeah. So moving on to the next question. You. you have mentioned your experience being bullied as a child. Were you bullied because of your autism? And what age did it start and what age did it stop? There's a couple of times. The worst when I was growing up would have been by pupils when I was about nine, but that was due to the staff having no understanding of my condition and kids being kids. The kids didn't understand me at all, but then kids won't unless they're actually informed and educated and helped to understand where. That was the worst case of bullying from pupils, fellow pupils, when I went to a mainstream school for nine months in about 1994, but uh, that was due to a lack of leadership at the school, I would say at the time. I shouldn't have been there because my mother didn't want me to go to go to a mainstream school. She didn't think it was appropriate and she was right. Mm-hmm. And also, also, it was, also, it was a case of they, the staff weren't capable of, of managing autism mm-hmm. because of the lack of leadership at the school and just because they weren't, they weren't able, to, able to deal with it or manage it at the time. That obviously circled out the pupils who were quite tough pupils anyway. So, like, I always remember one instance of the bullying of that particular year when I was nine. I read out the county cricket scores in assembly one day. And I think I read up something about Essex had scored 400 and something or other in a county championship match. And one of the kids started beating me up, saying that you can't score 400 goals. So, if, but if, but if, if, if children aren't informed and educated about such matters by the staff, then there's no hope for any of them. It's just um, the education system. Like, yes. you know, if you're not, if you don't specialise in autism, like mainstream schools just don't understand how to support children with autism. And yeah, it can, like sometimes teachers can come across as bullies. Well, it wasn't, so much, it wasn't the teachers, it was just, the teachers had no leadership. They had no, they didn't know what they were doing because there was no leadership from the school at the time. Mm-hmm. The senior head teachers had an acting head who just didn't really want to be a head teacher, mm-hmm. from what I recall. And but generally, I'd say there's, there's nowadays there's a fine line between mainstream and, and special schools because there's a lot less special schools now, mm-hmm. and, and also there's it's a fine line between having the support or having the education that your child deserves 
because 70% of autistic youngsters actually go to mainstream school these days. Mm. 70, if not more than 70% go to mainstream school these days, which is for the education where in special schools now, like my old school, I would, St Christopher's, I wouldn't be able to attend that school because my intelligent quotient would be too high now. And it's very much for, for pupils who have more additional learning needs or additional learning needs regarding learning disabilities, where when I was in school, you could have pupils achieving high intelligence quotient in a special school, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. The next question is, the National Autistic Society concluded a study which found more than a third of adults with autism have been bullied or discriminated against at work. Meanwhile, 43% say they have left or lost a job because of their autism. Why do you think so many adults with autism are being bullied at work? And why is it sometimes not taken seriously by management? I can't, talk, I can't comment about others. But regarding myself, on Manchester United Television, I was fully supported by my co-workers, many of whom to this day, seven, almost seven years later, some of my best mates in the world. And I was always well supported by my line managers, usually. And I never had that issue at Manchester United Television. I think I was exceptionally fortunate. You know, the last three years I was there, I, wasn't, I didn't enjoy, but the first date were wonderful. But I think that wasn't so much down to management and so forth. It was due to a smorgasbord of reasons regarding my job role. My job role had changed. And it was a job role I didn't didn't enjoy as much. But I was felt very supported there. And I I volunteered other places as well. I volunteered for one autism charity in Bexon called Your Space. I volunteered for I volunteered at Wepper Park in Connors Key, heavy manual labour. And I and I think I've been very, very fortunate that I've always been very well supported. But what helps, I think what generally helps me is that I'm very open about my autism, very open about my autism. And I think you have to be open about your autism because you have to say, well, I'm autistic. I may make certain mistakes or faux pas or certain errors sometimes because of my condition, but I can learn and I can try to manage them. I won't eradicate them, but I think being very open about your autism makes it better, makes it better for your life and makes it better for your employer, your employer and co-workers like the working lives because just a more open, open balance where I certainly think if people are reticent in speaking about their autism, I think that is going to be create issues down the line regarding if you are open at your autism, that opens up avenues for you for support and so forth regarding in a working environment with support, where if you're not, then you're creating a rod for your own back, really. But uh, but certainly, I think the best policy I think is open to be open and honest about your aut about your autism because I th I find people certainly more understanding what they've ever been. Certainly in my life, yeah, you're always going to get people who are ignorant, but that there's people who know a little bit about it, but are always willing to learn as well. Yes, like I think being open about your um, autism, like when you start a new job or is like really important so they can put the support in place that you need. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, I, well, my mother always taught me to be open. I knew I was autistic from age of four. Didn't always know what it meant, knew, knew what it meant at a very young age. But I, she always said, you're autistic, so 
mate, you're autistic. And you won't, you can do certain matters and certain, like being honest, I can write three books. I can learn to drive a car. Mm-hmm. I could do all kinds of other, other matters. Write three books. I can be a guest on the Today programme being interviewed by John Humphreys. Mm-hmm. But I can't tie my own shoelaces. So, and I can, I can do quite complex gym-based manoeuvres, but I can't tie my own shoelaces. Mm-hmm. So... Tell you what, I also can't. Eamon Holmes, he can't tie his own shoelaces. So, mm-hmm. my sister told me that the other, the other week, Melanie, and I thought, I'm going to use that because it's not affecting his career. I didn't know that about Eamon Holmes, but now yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, but actually, I, actually, I did know it the other week because my sister told me. And I thought, yeah, I'm using that. Mm-hmm. When, but being honest, when I've asked people to tie my shoelaces, be it in a team environment, either at football or cricket, or anywhere I've been, work or anywhere. People have always been more than more than understanding from a very young age with me to be able to tie my shoelaces. It's not the biggest problem in the world. There's other other parts of my life I'd rather achieve. And if, if, if the only thing you can't do is not tie your shoelaces in life, consider yourself fortunate. And I think there's too much emphasis in life generally, focusing on what people and people of all creeds, colours, races, genders, sexual orientations, what people can't do and what they can do. Focus on what people can do more and we'll live in a happier, happier, more understanding society. Exactly. Like me and Martin have discussed this before on like, haven't we, that, you know, people need to focus on what we can do because we yeah. have, our, we do have our strengths and we have our weaknesses. Exactly. Everyone does. Everyone. Well, I, well, I don't call weaknesses or weaknesses. I don't believe in using the term weakness less dominant aspects mm-hmm. like if you if, we're, if you're lifting a weight or you're using one of your legs or something on your side it's not your weaker side it's your less dominant side and that's something that I've always taken with me to be honest I really like that term I completely Absolutely. agree with you Andrew um, so mm-hmm. the last question is how do we as a society stop bullying against people with autism and learning difficulties Oh, how do we stop bullying bullying against people who are black? How do we stop bullying against people who are who are who are, who are Islamic? How, education. So I can say education, mm-hmm. education. Well, what was that? Was it? Who was it? Was that politician once? I can't remember who. Education, 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 and informing people and changing attitudes, and that, whether that's to do with race, uh, whether it's to do with gender identity, whether it's to do with sexual orientation whether it's to do with disability or ability anything regarding anything that's a subsection of society it's always best to it's all it's always best to educate and inform people and just and just learning just learning all the time not just with autism disabilities gender specific issues uh, gender identity sexual orientation race religion anything i agree and um yeah. With one of our other podcast episodes, we were talking yeah. about the importance of jobs, and um, one of the um, things we talked about was maybe introducing special educational needs earlier on in school, like that being part of a national curriculum. And mm. I know that we have like sociology and like PGCSE in schools, but I think special educational needs needs to be focused on more, as well as like obviously like race gender sexuality mm-hmm. but disability is it discussed as much in schools as it should be like, well, do you think so? well well I, I generally think with schools schools are trying to trying to be 
cover every base and it's not possible to do that. You can't cover every single topic in school. You learn more about your beliefs and the way you are once you leave school. Mm -hmm. You become the person, the adult, you become the adult you are a lot of the time once you leave school. Schools can't educate you on everything, whether social issues, social matters, or, or schools can't do it because they have to cover such a wide range of topics and demographics where you can't cover all that in school. It's, you, you, sometimes you have to find out yourself regarding such matters and, get, and, get, and, learn, and learn yourself because schools can't cover everything. It's just impossible. Sometimes you have to learn from lived experience. Exactly. Like you said, it's yeah. not just the schools that should teach, no. you no. know, teach us about people with disabilities. And it's like, you know, it's your families, it's your communities as well. So exactly. it, everyone is responsible for shaping, exactly. shaping, you know, a child. Yeah. People aren't born a racist. Mm-hmm. People aren't born discriminatory. It's learnt behaviour. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Um, Martin, was there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? Um, I don't think there's anything I can add. Um, I think there's been lots of good points. Um, Definitely. Um, thank you so much, Andrew. Like we really enjoyed, we really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about you. I would like to welcome our second guest, Emma. So hi, Emma. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, thanks for meeting with me today. No trouble at all. Uh, thank you for agreeing to partake. No problem. So our first question. Uh, is this. Emma, you are a qualified English teacher who has worked as a SENCO and are now deputy head at Tram House. In your experience as a teacher, have you noticed bullying against children with special needs is more common than children without special needs? And how are you taught to deal with bullying during your teacher training? So obviously that question, there's lots of aspects to um, that question. So I'm just going to try and break it down a little bit into um, some subparts. Um, so what the first thing that, well, one of the things that you asked about was around um, my teacher training and what is covered in terms of bullying and teacher training. So um, if I'm being perfectly honest, and I think, the, um, I think that the academic world has recognised this itself, more could definitely be done in initial teacher training um, regarding the um, needs of pupils with um, special educational needs or disabilities um, in, in all aspects of initial teacher training, to be honest with you. Um, but that includes um, like targeted, um, how to deal with um, if pupils are targeted due to their disability in any form of bullying, whether that be verbal, physical or cyber. In terms of uh, teacher training and how that is reviewed on an annual basis, so all schools are legally required to deliver safeguarding training to, um, to their teachers on a yearly basis. And obviously they have to make sure that they are legally compliant with any changes that are made to keeping children safe in education. So regardless of what school setting you're in, you always undergo the safeguarding policy and bullying obviously falls under the remit of um, safeguarding our pupils. So that is one aspect of um, sort of ongoing personal development that is renewed on an annual basis. In terms of further sort of like training for teachers, 
you know, I think there's, there is definitely, I think I've said this already before, but there's definitely um, a need to have perhaps more targeted training. And that's definitely an area of development that needs, that needs to be, that needs to happen within initial teacher training. With my own teaching experience, which is quite a few years ago now, I did teach pupils um, that had an ASD diagnosis. And um, I'm thinking particularly of one or two pupils that um, I had in different classes, different year groups. And obviously they, they dealt with tasks um, at, at quite a literal level. And I was an English teacher, as you um, cited at the beginning. So it could be a challenge at, at times to, for those particular individuals to grasp, I guess, more metaphorical concepts so I would teach things like symbolism, uh, metaphor uh, similes. Um, and on occasion in my lessons, I do remember um, a couple of clear examples where their answers didn't really um, answer the question that I was, that I was, you know, I was asking the whole class. Um, and again, I'll be honest, there were a few inappropriate responses from their peers. But as a whole, the classes were amazing at being supportive um, in that learning environment and in that space. And I think that was because, in my experience, the school had done lots of raising awareness, especially around these um, individual pupils um, in terms of their needs and how they could support the, how they could support them as, as, as peers of theirs in the lessons. Um, so my previous school did whole school um, assemblies uh, regarding autism and autism awareness. And then if there was any more sort of like bespoke awareness raising that was needed for the, for the young people, then that was done um, as a tutor group, perhaps, or on an individual basis to make sure that there was an inclusive, inclusive atmosphere um, in the lessons specifically, but also within the tutor groups that the, that the pupils were in. I think that the, the individual, any individual with special educational needs does need support with their breaking down barriers and finding their place because secondary school for all pupils, um, which is my experience, my background in secondary school teaching, is a really daunting experience um, for, for anybody. And additional needs just makes, makes that landscape even more complex for them and can make it even more of a a vulnerable, um, make them make it even more of a daunting landscape, if you like. I also think the topic that you raise in general, like bullying, is is not something that is simple. Bullying is is a com is complex. The impact of bullying on the individual can be deeply traumatizing. And I think as educators and something that I feel particularly passionate about, it's raising awareness from a really young age. So educating children to understand what bullying is, but also to, we have a duty of care to the pupils to inform them how they can raise their concerns should they fall victim to any bullying. The National Autistic Society conducted a study which found that more than a third of adults with autism have been bullied or discriminated against at work for their autism. This is the largest ever survey on the condition. Meanwhile, 43% of adults with autism said that they have lost their job um, or they have left the job due to their autism and the bullying. Why are so many adults with autism be being bullied at work and why is it sometimes not taken seriously by management? So I think I, I looked into that research and it's, and it's really damning, isn't it, really? I, th I 
couldn't see uh, many like uh, direct examples from those with ASD regarding their experiences. Um, and maybe that is available somewhere. That is something that on a personal level, I, as a manager and as a leader, I, I would find valuable in reading some case studies about um, what happened in individual cases. Um, obviously, I can't speak for the organisations that were, took part in this um, um, study. I can offer, I guess, some reasons, potential or potential reasons. Those around that could be, you know, due to a lack of staff training and awareness. Um, it could be that there's a lack of support in place for the individual. Lots of employers put support in place, but is it the right support, right support? And is the support reviewed on a regular basis? And is it reviewed sufficiently and adequately for, 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 those, individu- for those individuals? Um, and I think that as managers, um, you know, they have, they have a responsibility to ensure that well, like all individuals are supported. In terms of why not taken seriously by management, again, I, I don't know. I can only offer suggestions. Maybe it's an ignorance on management's part. Maybe it's a lack of awareness. Maybe it's a lack of training. Um, it's an interesting question, one that I don't have um, a lot of answers to, I'm afraid. Sorry. No, like I, me and Martin agree with you completely. I think it's to do with lack of awareness and a lack of staff training and a lack of understanding when it comes to autism and how autism affects the individual. Right, Martin? Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Also, you know, one of the things that we do at school is to, you know, really um, value everyone's individual, like, learning styles and learning traits and what they can what they can offer and maybe if you're not in that workplace environment maybe it it can become difficult then to have that understanding and that awareness definitely yes so I've got the uh, the last question which is how do we as a society stop people bullying against those of autism and learning disabilities so there are a few things that um, I think that we, we as a society could be doing um, more of. I think we've touched on it already in the previous sort of question. Um, it's about raising awareness and it's about highlighting the strengths that um, people with um, autism and those with learning disabilities can bring to an organisation. I think the sort of recent employment toolkit that is being created by Emily Ross, like um, sort of like resources like that, um, are really invaluable in terms of raising that awareness, but also raising um, awareness of what support can look like and how you can tailor support. So I think more of those kind of resources um, are really pertinent and really invaluable. I think in terms of like a whole structural, like a whole organisational structure, every organisation should have clear policies and procedures in place against discrimination as well. Mm -hmm. And obviously an equal opportunities policy um, that um, include protected characteristics. And I think that is a legal requirement for all all organisations, but it's making sure that um, those policies and procedures are being effectively implemented and being reviewed as well in a in like a in a thorough way um, ensuring that they're still in line legally you know and I also think like although the pandemic has brought lots of or has had some negative consequences you know our pupils have missed out on some valuable learning time for example as one challenge that we face but it has also brought new opportunities um, along with it as well so People are now more open to different ways of working, which I think is really is is great. Um, And that 
in the long run should help uh, or should hopefully help facilitate more flexible working. So whether that means working from home or more flexible working hours or avoiding um, or, or avoid uh, commuting uh, um, peak hours because that's when the transport is most crowded. Um, I think it's about um, sort of leadership and management re-evaluating um, some of these positive sort of things that have come from the pandemic and seeing what more can be done to, to support individuals that might need more flexibility um, with their working week. Uh, we agree with you completely, Correctly. right, Martin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yes, yeah uh, great thanks so much emma like thanks for taking the time out of your day i know that you're really busy so we really appreciate this no problem at all guys it's a pleasure we would like to thank our guests andrew and emma for joining us on this episode so let's get the discussion going so andrew mentioned being bullied at school he says he, he was supported by his mother to get a diagnosis of autism and she, she was a huge support throughout his life. She supported him in his TV career and uh, writing career. And you know, luckily he's not been bullied at work, but he agrees there needs to be education and training to prevent bullying against people with autism in the workplace. I um, agree obviously with um, everything that Andrew said in his interview, training, awareness, everything um, that all needs to be in place. Obviously, luckily, as you said, Andrew has not been bullied in the workplace, which is amazing to hear. But unfortunately, there is research to back up that it does happen, um, like the National Autistic Society's big survey that they conducted that we've discussed with Andrew and Emma. It's a depressing reality for some adults with autism and special educational needs. Martin, uh, what was your like, experience like at school with um, bullying? I don't really remember being picked on a great deal at primary school maybe maybe one or two isolated incidents but uh my first secondary school oh i mean we probably need another hour maybe <laughs> um <laughs> yeah that bad i think maybe i was at this first school for um four years i think out of all those four years only one year I was pretty okay, mm -hmm. which is intriguing, you know. Mm. But then, you know, it was from anything to everything about my voice, my speech, things I would say, the fact that oh, he doesn't really hang out with anybody. Mm -hmm. um, even down to, like, things I would wear on... Um, uh, do you remember? Own, did you ever do own clothes days at school, like for uh, charity? I didn't wear a uniform, so I didn't need to. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I kind of got um, a lot of flack over that, but I've only just recently realised why, because mm. uh, I, I I wore this um, denim jacket, mm. uh, which I've got rid of recently, and. The reason why people gave me a, a lot of rubbish for it, it was it was because it was a a, a, a woman's denim jacket. It was something that I inherited from my cousin, and I didn't realise. Apparently, it was something to do with the position of the buttons. Mm. 
If they're on the right, it's a girl's jacket. If they're on the left, it's a boy's jacket. I can't remember how I found out. I was like, oh, that's why they gave me different. In that case, that that's kind of justified. Yes. Um, well, actually, it's not. Actually, no, no, no. Actually, so that that's not right. That that's not really justified. You know, no. being, you know, being picked on for the clothes that you wear and everything. And I can remember, you know, there were instances where I'd see goths getting picked on because of the way that they looked. And, you know, while I admit it was, oh, okay. It was, well, you know, do whatever you <clears throat> do, whatever you do need to do to make you feel happy and comfortable, you know? So I've, I've never really been, uh, I've never really had a huge problem with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think I went through a phase of listening to goth music, but, I don't know because I can't remember what goth music is like now. Um, so there was that. Um, there was the voice as well. I, I, I had my. I think my voice was a bit higher when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, that's true of everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the comparison to the Smurfs was, you know, a little uh, more than un- unnecessary. And yes, I, I was compared to Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if you don't remember, listeners, look look it up on YouTube. You, you, you'll you'll get all the answers you need. You know, it sounds like little things, but then as time went on, it gradually would get a bit serious. So we're getting scuffles, and mm. you know, people would sort of hit me for no reason, and it was getting really bad. I felt suicidal a couple of times. Mm. Um, I actually tried it a couple of times. thankfully not successful so it was a combination of that and a few things academically with that school that everyone just said right we need to get you out of here the second secondary school I went to it wasn't so awful just the sixth form didn't really work out for me I I wasn't bullied as such at at that place I mean there there were times when I was uncomfortable your experience sounds somewhat similar to mine in some ways um, when yeah. it comes to bullying. And yeah, it's just horrible. Like, you know, there's no excuse for bullying um, at all. And it needs to be taken so much more seriously in schools, in um, the workplace. Um, so with me in primary school, I wasn't really bullied. It, I was just more excluded. I guess from um, like, you know, groups of friends, like I tried to join in, but for some reason, um, no one wanted to be my friend and I didn't know why people didn't want to be my friend. Like I was thinking, well, what am I doing wrong kind of thing? Um, So I wasn't picked on, I was just excluded. I couldn't really make friends. um, When I went to secondary school, that's when it got worse. I was picked on for similar reasons. I couldn't make friends and I didn't know why because I was quiet. I was picked on for my gothic slash metalhead dress sense. Um, I was picked on for developing early, I guess, um, for developing like breasts and stuff um, ahead of the girls in my year. So I was picked on for that. I was called Creepy Carrie. Um, from um, the horror film Carrie, um, I was called Creepy Carrie. Um, so yeah, and I remember just like you, um, Martin, like, you know, it ruins your life. Like I remember coming home from school and crying and saying, why don't people like me? What's wrong with me? Why doesn't anyone want to be my friend? Like, what am I doing wrong? And, you know, you're doing everything 
right in your eyes you know you're trying to engage with your peers talk about things that interest you and them but for some reason you're given off this wrong I guess air quotes vibe to people and you don't know what it is like I'm sure you understand right Martin yeah I do yeah which is obviously you know what people with autism and other similar conditions experience like you know we say to ourselves what are we doing wrong like we're doing we're copying people's gestures body language behaviors but you're just giving off this wrong kind of vibe and you just yeah it's really confusing and it's not nice at all and obviously like we talked about in the introduction um that obviously there's been studies children with autism are bullied so much more severely than neurotypical children and even by their own siblings it's it's horrible just uh quickly uh did you did you ever have experience of like a sibling bullying at all (laughs) Of course, yeah. But my sister, yeah, used to bully me a, a lot when we were younger. We and her get along really well now. Since she's had her children, um, as adults in our thirties, we get along really well now. We're really close. But when we were growing up, um, yeah, like we didn't get along. We used to argue all the time. But yeah, yeah, I wasn't so much like that with 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 my siblings. I mean, we we're all fairly close. Mm. I think there may have been one or two occasions where we sort of butt heads occasionally and just before we move on what about teachers was any jip from teachers at all no um all my teachers were absolutely lovely like there was a couple that like I didn't really understand my needs but um overall I've had really supportive teachers and some of my teachers might be listening now (laughs) um hi guys um I'm still in touch with um a couple yeah, I, I would say the same thing. I think uh, there was only one person that made me feel suicidal. But other than that, most of my teachers were fine. That's really good that overall you've had like really supportive teachers. But unfortunately, you've had a couple that, you know, weren't all yeah. that supportive. Um, so He doesn't know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get them to listen to this episode. <laughs> This is, this is an educational podcast series. Teachers can learn from this as well, not just employers. Our experiences of bullying have been in some ways quite severe, depending. So you would agree that secondary school is worse than primary school for children? Yeah. Them. yeah. Yes, I would argue that. I mean, there might be one or two cases where it's the other way around, but I, I would have thought that generally... Mm-hmm. I guess with me being um, gay as well, um, I came out when I was 13 and I got some abuse, some abuse for being um, a lesbian as well from some of my peers, um, which is difficult being a young person with edu- special educational needs as well as being gay. So, yeah, um, yeah, like that was twice as hard for me. Um, I was never bullied um, for having a special educational needs like you know when I had my learning support assistants in the classroom with me um through you know throughout my education I never got any you know I didn't I didn't get called stupid or like anything like that luckily like nothing to do with my learning difficulties at all it was more to do I guess with my equist behavior like with being quiet and stuff like that I guess I would say yeah um, what about with you? You, d- you didn't get any flack for, okay. did you, for um, having learning difficulties? Did you? I think once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah yeah in the main yeah it, it wasn't about uh my diet special needs or anything it was just more about you know quirks and quirks and behavior mm-hmm. not so. bad behavior but just you know the, the way that I, I i did things yeah so ours is very very similar i guess um our experiences then is to do with our behaviors air quotes our quirks rather than um, our learning disabilities and difficulties um yes which is interesting to know depressing but interesting um so let's move on to emma's interview emma definitely agrees that loads more needs to be done when it comes to teacher training and um, how to support and help students with special educational needs um, especially when it comes to how to prevent bullying in all forms because she talks about obviously not just physical and emotional and mental bullying but cyberbullying as well I guess teacher training I guess in some ways is failing um, children with special educational needs when it comes to bullying which is upsetting um, obviously we hope that um, the teacher training curriculum you know makes some more updates I guess how to help children with special educational needs um, Emma says when she worked as an English teacher um, she remembers a few inappropriate comments made against the children with special educational needs in her class because um, they were struggling to understand some of the concepts of um, the subject that she was teaching um, but she says luckily the school and class as a whole the students supported their special educational needs peers because there's a lot of autism awareness assemblies and advocacy going on in the school at the time that she was teaching so emma also said that bullying against adults with autism in the workplace could be due to uh, ignorance and lack of awareness about autism and lack of training and the person with autism isn't being supported in the way that they need to, to be supported. Emma says we need to highlight the strengths rather than the weaknesses that people with autism and learning disabilities have and can bring to a job, you know, rather than focus on the negatives, you know, what can you do? Because I think that's something that, again, a recurring pattern, you know, well, let's think about what you can't do rather than what you can do. No, this should be the other way around. Exactly. And one thing that, uh, has come out in the last couple of uh, weeks is um, uh, Emily Ross's employment toolkit, which is a good example of how we can educate employers about autism and having clear policies and is and how it isn't tolerated. Mm-hmm. And also, Emma mentioned the pandemic had shown that working from home and flexible working hours can be beneficial to adults with disabilities, and it should be offered to all adults with disabilities if it helps them which again is something we talked about on the, the, the COVID episode. Mm-hmm, definitely. Jason ran that study. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, if this is beneficial, then this is something that should be offered because otherwise you'll just have problems down the line. Exactly. Um, when we were talked about the Unison study, um, we talked about that young man that was quoted that said working from home really helps his sensory um, difficulties because he gets yes. to work in a quiet room and um, yeah, and he gets to take his time more and he gets to have more regular breaks when he's feeling um, overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, like we obviously agree with Emma that what, you know, this pandemic has obviously been devastating a tra- you know tragic you know upsetting of course yeah but like emma said 
the one of the very very few things that's come out positive things that's come out of this pandemic is it's taught people that going into the office is not something that has to be done now if if you can work from home you should be able to work from home because almost everyone in the western world has access to the internet at home so if you have access to the internet and you know you don't have and your job is like office based then you should be able to work from home if it's if you're able to manage your condition better especially if you have a physical condition because i think that the unison study was more in favor of people with physical disabilities more than um learned disabilities because if you obviously have a physical condition where you're in pain for example like arthritis then if you can work from home then you're in less pain you're able to do your job more efficiently so yeah like you know if you're able to work from home and you're able to get the job done as well as if you're in the office and you should work from home absolutely you and I have both read Emily's um, employment toolkit. Like, I think it's really, we have. Well, we, it's really well worth written. She's made so many good points. So hopefully employers will read that and they will see that, you know, making reasonable adjustments for adults with autism shouldn't be obviously a big deal. Um, it's, no. You know, like some employers, like Emma said, some people don't know how to support someone with autism. Like they don't understand what autism is how it affects the individual that is a spectrum that you meet one person with autism then you've met one person with autism you haven't met every person with autism because everybody has their own strengths their own weaknesses their own quirks their own behaviors that's definitely a positive is emily's um employment toolkit like both emma and andrew have said it all comes down to education educating people yeah what, what autism is especially from a young age like um emma also said when you when you educate them for a very young age then bullying will hopefully won't happen as adults yeah absolutely to conclude this episode um bullying does happen in the workplace and it starts from a young age um it started you know you and i were both bullied in school unfortunately um andrew was bullied in school um but obviously, luckily, Andrew hasn't been bullied in the workplace. Um, it doesn't happen to every single person with autism or special educational needs, but it does happen, um, which, which is what the research has taught us. And um, Emma agrees that it does happen in the workplace. But obviously, with education and training and awareness, more needs to be done um, if we start training and education, you know, from a young age then hopefully bullying will be a thing of the past yes so we'd like to thank emma and andrew for um you know for being our interviewees you know it was really really interesting to speak to both of you and you know listen to your answers yes thank you very much indeed for that okay goodbye guys take care everyone stay safe bye for now <laughs>